Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our first reading comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, if there's any book other than the Gospels that we should read, it's this book from Ecclesiastes. This is a book that we should read to our children. As adults, we can still take great lessons from it about life. By reading this book, this book of Ecclesiastes essentially lays the foundation for the spiritual and moral life. Now, the passage that we have for this weekend is the very beginning of Ecclesiastes. Now, it's written from the voice of a person named Kulath. Kulath is basically speaking to us. Now, Scripture scholars believe the identity of Kulath is actually King Solomon. The first clue to pick up on is the fact that he keeps mentioning his great wisdom. Well, that was a gift given to him by God. Remember that classic scene? God appoints Solomon to be the new king of the Israelite nation. And then he says to Solomon, you know, ask of anything of me and I will grant it to you. And Solomon says, O Lord, I ask for wisdom so that I may be a just and wise ruler of your people. And so God gives them the gift of wisdom. In doing so, Solomon becomes the greatest and the wisest man in all the world. And so, as we read Ecclesiastes, we are reading from the greatest wise man in the entire world. And he's giving us very wise advice about life. Notice how it starts out. He says, Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. Well, it sounds kind of gloomy, but we have to appreciate the context in which it is all set in. King Solomon now is an old man. He's lived a very full life. As king, he's seen it all, he's done it all. Also as king, he's had everything. Wealth, fame, fortune, honor, power, every sensual pleasure. And so what does this wise man coming to the end of his life say? Well, vanity of vanities. My whole life has been in vain. He's basically telling us that all of his personal accomplishments have been in vain. Everything that he has achieved in his life is all nothing. He continues, Here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge. So he's speaking about himself. And yet to another who has not labored over it, he must leave property. This also is vanity. Now notice the juxtaposition here. Here, King Solomon is looking out at the world. And he's seen people living lives exactly as he lived out his life. Therefore, what he's saying is those people, when they come to the end of their life, just like Solomon, they're going to say that their lives were in vain too. He continues, For what profit comes to from a man from all the toil and anxiety of heart with which he has labored under the sun? All his days sorrow and grief is his occupation. 
Every night his mind is not at rest. Now, Solomon is taking a deep look at himself, and he's realizing that his entire life has been directed or run by his ego. That's why he can't sleep at night. He's constantly obsessing about himself in relationship to the world. How do the people see me? What do the people think of me? Do they love me? Do they hate me? Now, as we read through this book of Ecclesiastes, the other thing that we're going to see is this repeated phrase, under the sun. Well, what does that really mean? Well, what truly is under the sun? Well, we are. The world is. And so, when you hear that under the sun, King Solomon is telling us that nothing in this world can satisfy us. And herein lies the heart of King Solomon's message. Essentially, he's trying to tell us, if you're looking into this world for something that will give us satisfaction, purpose, and meaning in life, we won't get it. We'll never be satisfied. That's why King Solomon says, you know, at the end of his life, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You know, he was looking throughout his entire life for something in this world that would satisfy him. Never found it. That's why he says his life is in vain. And yet, isn't that the great temptation for us all? To say to ourselves, you know, there's something in this world. I just know there's something in this world that will give me purpose and meaning, joy and life. I just need to find it. And when I do, then I will be satisfied. Well, we have to take heed to the words of this author and know who he truly is. He is a person of great wisdom given to him by God. He is also a person that had everything. He lived a privileged life. He lived in the royal palace. This was a man who, when he clapped his hands, servants would come running to satisfy his every desire. Now, at the end of his life, this wise old man says, hey, my life, my entire life was all lived in vain. It means nothing. Well, we have to take this message to heart. Why? Well, if King Solomon was a person that never experienced any type of privilege, we would say, oh, you know, he's not, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He has no credibility. But King Solomon not only was wise, but he also had everything you could possibly want in this world. That's why Solomon's wisdom has immense credibility to it. Now, often I give you that quote, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. We are made for God. See, St. Augustine believed in that when he said, Lord, you have made us for yourself. Therefore, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, my God. Each and every one of us has an infinite longing for the divine in our life. When we attach that infinite longing for the divine in our life to God, that's when we have purpose and meaning in life. That's when we have joy and satisfaction. And yet, what's the great spiritual danger? When we take that infinite longing for the divine and hook it on to something else in this world. See, then, then we will be like Solomon. Then we will realize at the end of our life, everything that we lived out was in vain. Where is this clearly seen? Well, in our culture, in Hollywood, politics, sports figures, you know, these people, they take that infinite longing for the divine in their life and they hook it to something else. Power, wealth, fame, fortune, notoriety, whatever it is. And what happens? They all fall, one after another after another. 
Their lives are miserable. You know, worse yet, they end up on Oprah. You know, a telltale sign when a person truly has hit rock bottom, they end up on Oprah and they confess their sins to Oprah. You know, some great examples of this recently. Lance Armstrong. How about Ryan Braun from the Milwaukee Brewers? Here are fallen heroes. They have taken that infinite longing for the divine and they hooked it on to something else. And now their lives are miserable. Well, now this is a great segue into the gospel. Notice the parable that Jesus teaches. He says, There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. He said, I shall do this. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods. And I shall say to myself, Now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. Well, in this parable, Jesus is trying to teach us exactly what Solomon was trying to teach us in the first reading. Notice that phrase that he says, eat, drink, and be merry. What does he really mean? He's going to indulge in all the earthly pleasures and comforts. Also that phrase, you know, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. Basically, he's hoarding his wealth all to himself. He's addicted to his wealth. If those barns aren't big enough, well, he'll build larger ones and then larger ones. See, another spiritual danger when we link that infinite longing for the divine to something else in this world, whatever it is, we become obsessed with it. We may know those people. You know, they say, you know, I just need that house. If I can just get that house, then I'll be satisfied. Or I just need that promotion at work. If I just get that promotion, then I'll truly be happy. So what do they do? They work and they work and they get it. They're happy for a little bit, but then it wears away and then they need more. You know, I just need that other house. It's got a bigger garage. I just need that. Then I'll be satisfied. You know, I just need that promotion, that other promotion at work, and then I'll stop working nights and weekends, and then I'll be satisfied. Well, that was how Solomon lived out his life. Now, parable in the gospel continues. God said to the man, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus it will be for all who store up treasure for themselves but are not rich in what matters to God. Well, that's a powerful statement. Now, right before Jesus teaches us this parable, he prefaces it with something that's really important. He says, Take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Oh, isn't that so true? What we have to realize now, we hold, each and every one of us, holds the greatest treasure anyone could ever have. What is that treasure? We share a life with Christ. That is the greatest treasure that any of us can hold on to or have. What we have to realize, this treasure, sharing a life with Christ, does not or cannot be found under the sun or in this world. It's from the world we are all tending to, the world of heaven. And yet, now we share in that life with Jesus Christ. Regardless of how many possessions we have, if we have a lot of possessions in our life or very few, it doesn't make a difference. We hold on to the greatest treasure anyone could ever have, a life shared with Christ. Mother Teresa once said, Life is all about finding the greatest good. I'll say that again. 
Life is all about finding the greatest good. Well, what is the greatest good? God himself. Sharing a life with Christ, that's the greatest good. That's the treasure that we all hold on to. And see, when we link, you know, the infinite longing for the divine in our life to our treasure, to a life with Christ, that's when we find true peace, true meaning and fulfillment in life. Now, don't get me wrong. Houses, cars, promotions at work, there's nothing wrong with them. They're all good. They're all gifts from God. We should enjoy them. But the moment they become the ultimate good in our life, that's when we have very deep problems. Later on, Jesus will say, store up treasure in heaven, for where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. Well, we have a great treasure, don't we? A life with Christ. And it doesn't come from under the sun, from in this world. Instead, we share a life with Christ. And in doing so, now we hold on to something that is more valuable than anything in this world. Life is about finding the greatest good. And we have found it. And because of that, now our lives have purpose, meaning, and true joy. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ Rest upon you always.